Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm very excited to have my co-host, Jeff Cohen, with me from Oracle Marketing Cloud. It's me, Randy Frisch at Uberflip, chatting with you right now. And very excited on this episode today that we're going to have Mike Templeman join us from Foxtail Marketing. And it's it's really cool. I, I, I love when I meet people and start to build a relationship with them because I read a piece of their content. And that's actually the case with Mike. And, you know, we may even end up digging into that piece of content because it was only a few months back. So it's still pretty relevant these days. But before we do that, you know, Jeff, I know you've got a, a good stat dug up for us. So why don't, why don't you kick things off for a little banter between you and I? Sure. Thanks, Randy. Great, great to be here and great to kick off this episode of Content Pros with a stat about mobile geddon, one of those awful terms that people used when Google made a change last year to its to its mobile algorithm and it turns out that over 40% of Fortune 500 websites actually were not mobile optimized when that update happened. So what's your take on that, Randy? It's wild. I I both can't believe it and can believe it. You know what I mean by that? It's it's like I feel like we've been talking about the need to be mobile ready for a decade now. And it may be a decade. I mean, I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head um, in terms of going to conferences where they were talking about mobile being the future. And the fact that we aren't there with how many times we've redesigned our websites and put new effort towards new copy or new design, you know, it's really astonishing. Then on the flip side, you know, you take in some of these experiences that we go to to engage in content, to engage in a company's site. And, you know, it doesn't shock you when you think about it, right? I mean, you remember the good ones, but you remember the bad ones too. So I don't think it's that shocking. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you find, Jeff, in terms of your preparation around mobile for your team? Well, it, it's a pretty interesting, it's interesting when you think about this kind of stat, because you would think that you would think that big companies, Fortune 500 companies, would actually be able to solve this. They'd have, they'd have the resources and they'd be able to deal with it. And, and then you look at some small companies, which you wouldn't think have the resources, but in fact, they're completely mobile-friendly, completely mobile-optimized. And I think it comes down to a vision thing. Lots of, lots of content teams and marketing teams are actually led by people with vision who understand what's going on, understand the importance of how everything needs to work together. And I think it's, it's one of those things where it's one of those things where there are marketers and content creators who just get it and they understand the importance of this and, and 
they find the time, they find the resources, they find the budget to make this stuff happen. Because when you're out in the world, you don't really see people carrying around their laptops consuming content. You see them on their phones and reading blog posts and you know checking their checking their social network feeds while they're waiting in line, riding the bus, whatever it is they do, even walking down the street, which uh, is not that safe. But if there's if they're consuming content walking down the street, I think content creators might be happy about that a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would say that I'm, I'm going to guess at least 75%, if not 90, of the content I consume is on a mobile device. And it's it's amazing to me as you pointed out, that we aren't accommodating to this. It's, it's amazing to me that, you know, my company at Uberflip, where, you know, part of uh, what we do is manage experiences and, and not intended as a plug, but I can't believe that we're still landing deals because we offer this mobile optimized experience and that people have not prioritized that already. But, you know, I, I know one person is going to be able to chat more with us. So, so Jeff, why don't you bring Mike in and, and give a little context and Mike, I'm sure will shed some light around experience. Thanks, Randy. So, Mike, welcome to this episode of Content Pros. You're the founder of Foxtail Marketing. Tell us a little bit about the business that Foxtail Marketing is in besides marketing. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, so, Foxtail Marketing, we are as you just said in marketing, but we are we're a full funnel agency in the uh, sense that we look at really the the entire journey that a customer takes and what needs to be delivered to them in forms of content, uh, social email, you know, whatever medium you may be using in order to get them to another stage in the funnel. And I know a lot of people have been beating up on the funnel just because, oh, you know, the funnel is too rigid, it's too this, it's too that. Uh, but really, it's, it's a great framework for any marketing campaign, and it ensures that you're not just marketing for the sake of marketing, or as I like to call it, you know, the field of dreams marketing, where you build it and expect people to come. Uh, rather, you build it, you, you deploy it, and, and that's really uh, our core competency. You've shared some of your successes with us that, that we will get to in a minute, but the place that I want to start is you have experienced crazy growth in your own company. And I assume part of that is due to content. Mm -hmm. Lots of, lots of marketing agencies and lots of marketing agencies certainly have trouble creating their own content. It's that whole cobbler's shoes idea. Mm -hmm. Tell tell me a little bit about how, how you use, you have used content to grow your firm in this pretty spectacular way. Yeah, you know, it, it's been a wild ride. Um, we're a bootstrap company, so it's it, growth is somewhat painful sometimes. Uh, but we've gone from two employees to over 60 employees in uh, just under two years. And with that, from a content perspective, we, you know, we practice what we preach around here. So a very active blog, um, we have dozens of ebooks, white papers, case studies, uh, infographics, videos, all these activities uh, and pieces of content that we've created. And then we really work heavily on promoting that content. So there's actually some agencies out there that I believe produce more content 
than we do. We're not the uh, the leaders in content creation and from raw number, but uh, we do a lot with that content, uh, from social promotion to earned media, uh, positioning it in a way that makes uh, journalists' job easier, so we can get it picked up that way. And then uh, personally, uh, and then a couple of other people here in the agency, uh, we run, we maintain uh, some columns on these larger publications such as you know Forbes Inc and Entrepreneur Magazine and these places and that that's been a, a huge benefit obviously uh, to be able to tap into those uh, those audiences but the the ideas of tapping into a pre-existing audience can be done at any level it doesn't have to necessarily be a Forbes or an entrepreneur but you know those methodologies can be emulated by really any company but that's that's really what's helped us is the distribution of the content that actually is something that I was going to hone in on. When you talk about distribution, that's obviously something that that takes time. Mm-hmm. And what what you have done is it sounds like you've actually prioritized the employment of marketing practitioners, people who don't kind of fall into the traditional working billable hours and kind of managing that whole agency side of things. So is that... Does that actually feel like a different business model for you as a as a marketing agency, or is that just the idea of this is how we need to approach this, and we need people who are going to focus on on our distribution? I, I guess rather than a traditional like salesperson going out and and hitting the streets mm-hmm. the old way. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing is we actually don't have your traditional sales model here at uh, at Foxdale. Um, everything we uh, we close is brought via inbound methodologies, and there's no cold calling. There's nothing uh, outbound from any of the salespeople here, and to the point where we really barely do trade shows just because I don't find them uh, too effective. What we have though is a culture of promotion from everybody here. Uh, we have probably over 30% of the team members at Foxtail that maintain uh, these contributorships at other sites. And we don't pay them to do that. And we don't ask them to do that. They are all very active on social media. They, uh, you know, we have people that are interns here that bring in new deals because they just, they love talking about it. And it's because we built a culture of, I hate to say self-promotion, but really just talking about ourselves and, and, uh, having the opportunity to to put to build your own personal brand and by building the individual's personal brand around here they're really able to build the uh the company brand as well that's great mike i love i love the idea of a company that not just respects its employees personal brands but encourages them to build it because they understand the value for the company lots of companies don't do that it's been something very near and dear to my heart. Um, I started as a personal brand and then was able to transition over to Foxtail. Mind you, Foxtail has latched onto my personal brand in a very big way. And in fact, when we first started, uh, we were faking it until we made it in the sense that we appeared a lot bigger than we were. I mean, there's a funny you know, story that we talk about here in that when we first started off, you know, when there was two or three people here, we were being featured on, uh, uh, on my entrepreneur column and we would have clients call us up and say, Hey, you know, I don't know if you're accepting any new business right now, but we'd really like to work with you guys. And we're sitting here just thinking, 
we will accept anybody that walks through the door with a pulse. And we have clients that are asking us if we will potentially take them on. Uh, and it just gave us that larger than light, larger than what we were image. And I, I really like the idea that people are here building their own personal brand because it gives them an incentive to, to push, to create, and just to, to really leverage their full potential and their creativity. And, and people love doing it too. They're, they, I mean, we're all driven by recognition. And so when someone can see their face and name and bio on a website that they rec- that they respect, it's huge. Well, I mean, the funny thing about that, Mike, is is that that's how I got to know you, as I alluded to at the beginning. Uh, you know, I had read one of those posts on entrepreneur.com, my least favorite word to type, easiest word to, to typo on. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, it, it was a great post. And to be honest, I was like, who is this guy? Because you were, you were very much advocating for everything that I advocate for and my business advocates for, which is, uh, and this was granted just one post, but I know mm-hmm. it's a big part of how you approach work with your clients at Foxtail and, and what you're trying to change in terms of how they go to market. But maybe, maybe you can, you know, share what I loved about that by, by giving us a little synopsis around, you know, what you were capturing around the importance of experience, because this is actually where, where Jeff had pulled that stat from earlier today. Mm-hmm. And, and Randy, with that, you're, you're uh, describing the uh, post that uh, stated that SEO is now or should be termed search experience optimization as opposed to search engine optimization, correct? Exactly. I think yeah. it's clever, but, but perfect name at the same time. And, and really why I say that and, and why I harp on that is we – we are very good at SEO. We've won awards for our SEO, um, and SEO permeates everything we do here. However, we do not pitch SEO. And we oftentimes come to uh, these pitches, or a client will call us up, and their big question is, well, what keywords can you get me to rank for? And how much volume is there there? And when when can I expect to be number one on uh, Google? And these types of questions that are so I mean, I thought we stopped talking about that stuff 10 years ago, but everybody is that, – that's what they still believe SEO is. And in truth, keywords don't mean much. I mean, they're a signal, and we use them as a signal, but are if you experience a rise in your keywords, does it always correlate to a rise in sales? Absolutely not. And there's this nice uh, example that I use for people with this, and I will tell a client uh, to quickly pull up Google for me, and I'll say, okay, search SEO agency for me, and they'll search it, and that keyword an SEO agency has, I don't know, 50,000 volume, right? Incredibly competitive. And we show up on the second page, and I look at that, and I say, okay, second page, nobody's going to search that. I mean, no one's going to find us there. Even though it's, it's an impressive ranking of being 19th for that keyword worldwide, that's awesome. It doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. We get no traffic from that keyword unless it's from a bot or someone trying to sell us something. And then I tell them, okay, do me a favor now. Search SaaS marketing agency, uh, uh, software as a service, SaaS marketing agency. And they search that, and we're number one there. And that keyword maybe has 10 to 15 volume. So literally a a magnitude lower, 55,000 times lower than the other one. And yet we probably get... 10 solid inquiries per month and three to four new clients per month from that one keyword. And each client averaging anywhere from five to $15,000 in revenue for us per month, that keyword is worth just truckloads more than the other one. And 
I tell them, okay, if all we're focusing on is the volume of a keyword, the competition of a keyword, where we rank for that keyword, we're lost. I rank for this keyword number one, and that keyword doesn't even show up on most keyword tracking tools, yet it is most likely one of our most valuable keywords. And the reason being is that it has high buying intent. It is specifically targeted towards our audience, and it's not that competitive. So we're able to make a bigger impact and a bigger splash there. And when people come to that page, they actually are given information as opposed to a sales pitch. And I think that also plays a large role in it with the experience optimization in that, yes, we've ranked, we've had our SEO in the old taxonomy of the word optimized for that. But now from a SEO new taxonomy of experience optimization, they're getting real information. There's opportunities for them to download an ebook on SaaS marketing right there and B2B lead generation right there. So people are able to download uh, and get more information. And, and those pieces of content, I mean, they, they tell them exactly how the sausage is made. And we tell everybody, tell everyone how the sausage is made. There's no more secrets nowadays. So if you're trying to hold anything back for proprietary reasons on your uh, methodologies, you're actually, you just look kind of foolish sometimes. Uh, I'm not saying put your patents up on the website, but you know what I mean, in that people want to know what you're going to do for them and how you're going to do it and those types of uh, things. So we, we've optimized for that and we've given uh, the client what they were experiencing when they searched that. And that's, I think, what is missing in SEO nowadays is people don't look at the intent they just look at the numbers, they look at the figures, but they don't th figure out what is my audience, what is my customer trying to accomplish when they're searching this or when they're going on this journey. And that's where we come back to the funnel and saying, what journey do you want your customer to take? Let's map this out and let's really you know, affect what they are seeing and how they're seeing it and why they're seeing it. And that, what you end up with, and what's funny is we've never built a link to that page, that SaaS marketing page. We've never built a anchor text that said SaaS marketing or any of those activities. And yet we rank number one for that. And if we were doing the old methods of SEO, we would still be just floundering, looking for something to boost SEO agency up to the first page. But we don't. Instead, we go after where our customers are and what they're looking for. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, we, we hear so much from our content strategy about thinking about our personas, writing content for our personas. And all you're suggesting here is just extending that to how we think about, you know, what are the search terms that those personas are going to look for as well. But, you know, there's another part of that article, which I also enjoyed. And, you know, one of the problems with this buzzword of, of the day lately of experience is it has various aspects to its meaning. So, you've talked about the intent aspect of it but there's also that actual experience you know what you know what does that journey feel like what does the web experience look like how is google recognizing that maybe you can touch a little bit on some of the keys and maybe maybe an interesting way to do it is you know for those who are listening to the podcast what are two or three things that they can do to audit their own site to ensure whether it's you know search experience optimized Yep. And I love that you bring up the measuring of it because a lot of people will look at experience and say, well, that's, that's qualitative, Mike. How do you measure someone's experience or their happiness or something like that? But in truth, everything's become quantitative in my opinion. We, we have this uh, poster up – well, not a poster, but it's a um, – 
a vinyl lettering thing with a big picture of Biggie Smalls and the Wu-Tang Clan, and it says, data rules everything around me, up on our office wall. And we live by that. We think that data can measure anything nowadays. And so if you're looking at what kind of experiences your customer having there, their actions will tell you what their experience is. So if you go to your Google Analytics and you just want to do a quick audit, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, noise on Google Analytics, but you can distill it down pretty quickly. So what you can do and some, I guess, signals that are going to tell you about experience more than others is one is bounce rate. And if you're optimizing your site correctly to where you're expecting them to take more than one step uh, to show interest as opposed to just coming to a landing page that is a end point and they have to bounce away from there because the only thing they can do is fill out a form and then leave. But rather, if they're finding your site through organic purposes and, and other inbound methodologies, then they're usually going to go to numerous pages. So a bounce rate should be relatively low because that means they are not ending on the page they arrived on, but rather going into deeper pages on the website and, and really broadening the, uh, their, uh, their, their research into your uh, agency or your company. And then the other one I really like to look at is not necessarily time on site because that can be diluted with referral traffic and some other stuff that uh, can be just – and you want to make sure you have proper filters on your uh, analytics so you're getting a clean data set here. But pages per session is also something I like to look at. And this tells you if you're really answering questions for your target audience. Because if they are coming to one page and leaving, two pages and leaving, depending on what your product is or your service, you might not be giving them the experience they require. So while you don't want them to bounce, you also don't want them just to go two pages deep. And because if they go two pages, then obviously they're not bouncing, but I still don't think that's a huge symbol of uh, or a huge signal that they're engaged. So we usually look to have people go to multiple pages to follow a, a journey that we're trying to take them on. Uh, find us on our blog, but then go to our About Us page, go meet some of the team members, come to some of our service pages, go download some of the content, and hell, don't even fill out a form. I don't care if you fill out a form right now. But you know, take a leaf behind that we've uh, that we've put on the site. Let us capture you for remarketing and these types of activities. And that's where th- those are two stats. I mean, there's a ton of other ones we can go into, but those are two easy to identify ones where people should be looking at getting those as optimized as possible. Your bounce rate as low as possible. Your page views as high as possible. Thanks, Mike. That's some some great feedback for our listeners. And if you want to take your experience in an, in another direction, you want to think about the stories you're telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to take your content marketing efforts even further, you've got to focus on stories of your team, your company, and your vision. Take a tip from host Park Howell on the Business of Story podcast, another Convince and Convert production, with a stellar lineup of storytellers that span across all industries, from Hollywood to B2B. Their insights can help take your business content from meh to wow. Tune in at businessofstory.com. So you actually shared with us some examples of uh, some some stories about your customers. And and one of the ones that was was interesting was about actually helping people discover the right places where their content should be. Can you, can you share that story with us? Yeah. So I'm actually um, going to be doing a, a webinar on this uh, later this week where I'm going to be breaking it down slide by slide. Uh, but there, there's a quick, easy way for a lot of people to identify 
where people are coming into their site and from that what pages you really need to be optimizing unfortunately seo again with the old uh methodologies people look at it and say hey we need to be optimizing this page because it ranks for this keyword this and that so we had a client that came to us and said mike these are our, these are our services this is what brings people in these are our tier one pages and i looked at them and i said okay let me check something. So I go down to their website, Google Analytics, again, a 10-second filter. I go in there and I go to organic traffic. I look at what landing pages people are coming in. So that tells me if they're landing on that page and it's from organic traffic, it's clearly coming from some type of search result that they're identifying. And I pulled up this page for them and I said, actually, you know, like 80% of the traffic that's not to your homepage is coming to this one page, forward slash checklist templates. What is that? And they all stopped and looked kind of dumbfounded. So we pulled up the page and they go, oh my goodness, this this is where 80% of our traffic is coming from? I said, it's not just where 80% of your traffic is coming from. It's where 80% of your contact forms and MQLs and SQLs are coming from. And they had no idea to this because they assumed, well, our service pages is where we talk about our services. And it's where we do this, where we do that. Their best page by far was something they put together just haphazardly, didn't give it a second thought. And it was uh, an entire index list of all of the checklists and audit forms that people could download for free. And what ended up happening was this page was ranking for probably 500 keywords, which is how you could use keywords as an actual signal and not as the uh, the goal there. And it, it, was, it was answering their audience's question because people were searching for help with an audit or how to get started with a checklist. And truth be told, what's funny is that all of these PDFs they had on there are to be printed off and used. Well, their application is to make digital checklists and audits. So it seems almost counterintuitive. Why are you giving them a paper version of something you're going to do on an app? But what was great is that they were showing people how the sausage is made manually. This is how you have to do it if you're going to keep paper records. And this is – or you can use the app. And so then all of a sudden we started looking into it and realized that a lot of their competitors were also ranking because of these list websites, uh, these list web pages, but that they weren't optimizing them fully. And they were also going about the mistake of targeting their service pages and their top level tier one pages as they described it. So we identified all their competitors, the holes that they were filling that we weren't. And we built out that checklist page uh, to the upteenth degree, optimized all the content, put in hundreds more checklists in there that they could use. And very, very, very quickly saw this massive spike in organic traffic because that page just continued to grow in value to them. And what was what was really funny is that everybody came to that meeting with gut feelings and preconceptions. Well, we do this, we do this, and our customers do this. And that's the way it is. The data was telling them something entirely different that none of them had even broached. And once the data was presented, nobody argued the point. All of these product managers that used to bicker and fight over what, what the focus was going to be, suddenly everyone was on the same team, and they all became so excited about the potential of what this page could do for them. And that's a way of optimizing for experience, finding where your customers are really coming in, what questions are they really asking, and how can you really solve that for them? 
That's great. I'd, I'd almost term that, that whole list of checklists accidental content. One, exactly. Yeah. One of those things that you actually do need to dig in, find the research, or find the data, and really understand where your traffic's going. Uh, and so I have a, can you share with us, you had told us previously about a, a real estate company that you'd worked with. Uh, mm-hmm. again, this is, this is one of those things where they were not hopeful going into it and you actually did some research and, and found where their audience was really coming from. And, yeah. and then after that, we'll pass it back to Randy. Absolutely. So that one was a, a high-end real estate uh, rental company, and they had tried everything, PPC, SEO, social media, all of these activities. But the big problem was all of their keywords put them directly in competition with Expedia, Travelocity, VRBO, Airbnb, all these massive competitors that they don't have a prayer of ranking against. And their average order value or their customer value is upwards of $20,000. I mean, they're, they're renting properties up in Park City uh, during Sundance to Tom Hanks for $20,000 a night and stuff like that. So why are they even going up against Travelocity, Expedia, and these groups? And so they had paid thousands upon thousands of dollars over years to marketing agencies that were getting them better keyword rankings or better uh, uh, this or that. And we looked at them and said, you know, Let's really identify who your buyer is. Is your buyer searching these terms or is your buyer more of a relationship individual that goes to their trusted people because they are wealthy individuals who don't want to just take the first thing that's thrown at them and they always do, you know, if you have money, you're usually doing uh, research on stuff because you don't want to lose that money. And we really identified that their customer journey had nothing to do with PPC or with SEO. And so we, we shifted it to email. And with very little effort, we took their, uh, the, the, the images of their, their, uh, their high-end properties. And as we described it in this, we made a newsletter that we called Property Porn, uh, because really wealthy individuals are naturally kind of envious of each other. They're always looking at the, the, the yacht next door, if you will. And so they love looking at properties. And they love looking at real estate. So we started highlighting these these trophy properties in a weekly newsletter. And then we started promoting that weekly newsletter on social media. So instead of their old tactics where they said, oh, Facebook never works. Well, we didn't target Facebook to say, hey, come rent a property. Instead, we targeted Facebook with some really clear audience targeting and said, hey, check out this newsletter that features these high-end properties. And those pieces of those those high-end uh, property features were put on the blog and then distributed through the blog post through the newsletter and then promoted on social media so all of those use working in concert with each other and what started happening was their newsletter just went gangbusters signups dozens of signups per day and getting them to sign up uh, to the newsletter for pennies from social promotion I mean literally just like five six cents per sign up on there and in the first three months we worked with them, they had doubled their previous season's uh, bookings. The next year we worked with them through the ski season, they had again doubled the previous year. So 4x from what it was two years before. And that was actually by removing all of their PPC, all of their SEO focus. And their, mind you, their organic traffic started rising like crazy because these large blog posts and the, the features of these uh, real estate things went really far uh, if, for SEO purposes. And then 
they even got picked up by a few newspapers who wanted to do uh, high-end property features in their lifestyle section. So now they're getting syndicated on these uh, news sites, these local news sites, as well as other sites that wanted to feature these properties. And before they know it, they now have too much business. And it was literally just writing one new blog post per week, a, a newsletter that goes out weekly, and then some social promotion. And the effects that it had were staggering. And it wasn't th- this massive overhaul or anything of that nature. And I thought that was really, really interesting because it just took a slight shift in their targeting. I love these examples. I, you know, I, I think what they really capture, Mike, is, is as you mentioned earlier, that journey um, and really thinking about moving beyond just content creation and ensuring we think about the experience, as you said, and then on to distribution and so on uh, to really understand what content's working. And I, and I applaud you and, and your clients for, for investing in, in those types of strategies. Uh, we've got time for one more lightning question. We always uh, want to get an idea of our guests and, and what got them to this point. So take us back to your childhood. What did you want to be growing up? <laughs> okay, so... I want a really quick story to it. I went to SeaWorld as a kid and I was standing on the side of a pool and a dolphin threw a ball to me. I was seven years old. I then went to Marine Land, which is Canada's version of SeaWorld, and I was standing next to a pool and a dolphin threw another ball to me, at which point I had an epiphany. I have a connection with dolphins. Dolphins love me. And so I said to the trainer, hey, what are you? They go, well, I'm a marine biologist. And I thought, that's what I have to be. I have to be a marine biologist because I have this this inherent connection to these marine mammals. And then I got all the way, I mean, I, I was gung-ho on this all the way up through college. And then I got to uh, college and I really started doing some research and found out that uh, marine biology actually requires an immense amount of science, which I hate. And it also uh, very rarely ends up with you getting to throw a ball around with a, uh, with a dolphin. And in fact, it's usually just lab work. So very quickly shifted away from that and went towards uh, an English degree uh, because I wanted an easy track through college, unfortunately. And uh, my dreams were dashed uh, just as soon as I found out that it really wasn't what I thought it was. That's hilarious. Well, it, it seems like uh, you, you found your calling because just telling that story, you know, it's very evident that you're a good storyteller, good writer, as, as I've experienced. So it sounds like you found your calling after all. And, uh, you know, just like George Costanza didn't, didn't end up getting to go that uh, marine biologist route. I, I couldn't resist. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, listen, if, if everyone's enjoying this, this chat, you know, we're talking a lot about experience. There's a couple of ways that you can learn more about experience. I, I urge you to check out that that article by Mike on entrepreneur.com called SEO is now search experience optimization. Um, you know, another opportunity that I'm throwing through my company here in Toronto, Canada, uh, same place where we have Marineland, as you said, uh, is uh, an, an opportunity to hear from a lot of great content leaders who are going to join us for the Uberflip experience, which is a two-day summit up here in Toronto talking a lot about how content can be used throughout that buyer journey. I urge everyone to take a look at uberflip.com slash experience. Um, and in the meantime, we've got a lot of other great content that all helps 
think about the different stages. So check out more Content Pros podcasts at contentprospodcast.com. You can also find these podcasts on Stitcher or iTunes. If you're on there, please take the time to give us feedback. Leave a review. Let us know what you like. Let us know what we could do better. What are the topics that are challenging you as a marketer focused on content today? In the meantime, from... Jeff at Oracle Marketing Cloud. It's me, Randy, from Uberflip. Thank you so much for taking the time. And thanks to Mike Templeman from Foxtel Marketing. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by... And I always wanted to be a, a sports broadcaster. I love talking. I love sports. I love uh, kind of giving people access. And it, it's funny because I, I worked in cyber, then I worked in cloud computing, and then I worked in social business. And now I've come all the way back around to really I'm able to be a broadcaster with just my iPhone in my pocket. So I, I'm, I'm not there. I never made it onto ESPN. But uh, it's a, it was an interesting journey for, to get to where I'm at now. And never know. Maybe one day I'll be doing my own sports broadcasting show on, on one of these live video platforms. That's awesome, Brian. Well, I, I, I don't know which uh, black and gold you're referring to, but if, if you're a hockey fan, too, congrats on uh, the recent Pittsburgh Penguins uh, victory. If, oh, if thank you. you. Yes, uh, I actually play, I played hockey in college, so I, I, I was a diehard uh, Penguins fan, and uh, it was one heck of a season. And our, my friends you know, in the Silicon Valley, are, the Sharks finally made it. So I felt a little bit bad, but not really because I was proud that uh, uh, my Penguins pulled that off. So thanks. Fantastic. Well, I, I can relate to the, the passion for hockey as a Canadian, and it actually allows me to also talk about another great event uh, happening up here in Canada for those who are interested later in the summer of 2016. Uh, August 24th and 25th in Toronto, we're going to look really deep at content experiences, thinking about how content is leveraged through the bio journey. Uh, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert will be there. We're going to have Lee Odin there. We've got a great lineup of speakers uh, that has been formed and we welcome you to come and join us in Toronto, uberflip.com slash experience for more details. Um, you know, Brian, this has been great today. We could easily go on for, for hours here talking about everything you know. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll leave people with one call to action for you. I mean, usually I tell people to follow someone on Twitter or follow someone here. I mean, I don't know where for them to follow you because you are everywhere. Um, but, you know, if people want to check out more about Brian, you can go to isocialfans.com. Fan is with a Z at the end. And uh, there's a great newsletter there that you can uh, sign up for. And as Brian says, it'll 
ensure that you don't have a fear of missing out. You know, he'll cure your FOMO there. Uh, anyways, thanks so much for joining. This has been another great episode of Content Pros. Uh, Jeff Cohen from Oracle Marketing Cloud, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. You can find all episodes of Content Pros at contentprospodcast.com. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, wherever you are, leave us a review. Let us know what you think good, bad, what do you want to hear as a content pro yourself and from those we're bringing on this podcast. Take care.